0: Here's where the magic happens.
1: <laughs> As I screw up the music. That's the magic.
0: Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw.
1: And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland nestled in the heart of cascadia
0: we are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way
1: covering bicycling trains transit adventures and life hacks and today tailwinds tailwinds so to speak yes proverbial and and somewhat literal tailwinds
0: indeed we've got doug walsh here in the studio this evening doug thanks for joining hey great to be here doug walsh
1: writer of tailwinds past florence yes okay that is it i was i was like please remember the title please remember (laughs) the title (laughs) yes uh book i i think i just said it's the first book i finished this year nice yes excellent
0: we're in february you're doing we're doing great
1: (laughs) (laughs) i did start it in november (laughs)
0: hey but usually i say that kind of thing in like december and you're just like (laughs) oh yeah at least it's not But i read a lot of articles um Doug, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, for, thanks for coming in. For coming in. No,
2: great. It's great to be here. I was really excited when Aaron invited me down at uh, when we were at BikeCraft Expo back in December. Mm-hmm. I was like, heck yeah, I'll come down. Nice. Did so. you have a
0: booth going at BikeCraft?
2: I did. Cool. I did, and um, <laughs> you know, there were people pretty interested, and uh, you know, it was good. It was a good time. I didn't quite fit the like hand crocheted seat cover crowd, <laughs> but you know the mm. book was people I, were very it interested. It was
1: it was kind of like you were kind of sticking out in a way. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. But you weren't you weren't the only writer. Joe Kermaski was there, yep. and mm-hmm. there was another writer there, right?
2: Uh, I don't remember. Okay,
1: yeah. I, I seem to remember there was another microcosm. Was another was there. Microcosm. Well, yeah, yeah. There, there were many writers there. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was the only one with fiction, though. Yeah, Which I th- I mean, or at least I think I was.
0: So nice, and we're gonna get into fiction here in just a moment. um But we we've it's actually been two weeks I think since we've technically caught up. It's or true. not Caught up. Sh- should we catch up? I suppose. What have you been? How up- you been? Oh,
3: <laughs>
0: wait. You see, it's it's a race, right? <laughs> Who can speak first? <laughs> what have you been up to, Aaron?
1: Um, not a whole lot. Oh, okay. What have you been up to? No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> I, I would have accepted that as a valid response. Oh, really? Damn. I mean, if I, you want. <laughs> I'm sure you would
1: have accepted that. Um, I would imagine our listeners would be mm. thoroughly dis- disappointed. Because hmm, I, I know at least one is, like, you know, on the edge of their seat waiting for the next whole 30 update.
0: Ah, yes, this is true. I was thinking of. Um, anna for a second because like when she's gone she can listen from afar so that would technically be two people on their seat waiting oh that's true but um i think i also know who you're talking about (laughs)
1: yes yes so i i won't out this person joyce wilson but (laughs) (laughs) hi joyce (laughs) hey thank you for writing all apologies thank you for hanging in there and also this is my last whole 30 update nice well for this time around until you anyway. go whole 90 yeah. but that's <laughs> <Right>. next year <laughs> right <laughs> um again i i honestly it's been way too easy i feel like i did something wrong <laughs> hmm. uh no grains no dairy no sugar mm-hmm. whatsoever and so now i'm thinking about what to reintroduce because you're supposed to sort of like slowly reintegrate foods into your into your diet
0: <clears throat> and slowly yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Oh. So so what goes first? Uh, dairy. I was wanting, yeah, but I think it's going to be grain. Okay. Fair enough. And I think sugar is going to. I I'm reluctant to say this, but I think sugar is
0: going to be last. Tim Mooney would support that choice. Yeah. 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 He's and, already like cheering you. Right.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Uh, I think honestly, this time around. I'm going to try my best to steer clear of of simple sugars from here on out.
0: Nice. Yeah. I thought about you today when I put sugar in my coffee. I put less sugar in. You put sugar in your coffee? Oh, yeah. Unashamed sugar fiend. That... That's all right. Yeah.
2: I I started drinking just pure black on our bike tour because we were too lazy to even steal sugar from McDonald's. (laughs) And it just got, and now I'm just a black coffee drinker. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually a laziness. That's the only reason. Mine
1: Mm. mine was because I could no longer afford the flavored creamers Um, that that made my coffee taste like I wanted it to. I Mm. was going to say taste good, but that's not true because coffee tastes good as it is.
0: Yeah. I think with coffee. So Lillian Kerbeak tweeted this earlier this week uh, for like the one time in the last 3 weeks or so I've been on Twitter. The she was asking whether flavored coffee like what what the deal was basically like are you for it? Are you against it? Are there rules? And I think I thought about it and where I come down on it is if you enjoy what you're drinking, it's fine. So I'm kind of like a like a you do you person sure. when it comes to coffee. Yeah. I can understand I and mean, like that's a, sort a, of I appreciate like overarching. Well, I'm I'm not you-do-you on some things. Like, I think Josh G. wrote in one episode. I can't remember in reference to what, but I I think I had come down on something one way. Oh, really? And he was like, you-do-you, or I'll I'll need to remember um, better at this point if I'm to relate this story. But essentially, yeah. He's like
1: the least controversial person to write in. (laughs) Oh, I think it was just more like supporting. (laughs) Oh, um,
0: okay. Like, you-do-you, you you know? Right. Um, But the... Yeah, I think with coffee, um, I never got caught in that stigma of like oh i'm gonna drink it this way because like people say you should drink it this way like i enjoy it black i enjoy it with sugar i often put a ton of cream like we have we go through like a decent amount of cream for, oh, our, yeah. for our coffee so i'm just like well this is what i like it to taste like so when i when i have the control over that i have a darker tan than than the coffee my mother drinks that oh that, that is for sure <laughs> nice
1: yeah <laughs> There was one time my grandfather looked at the coffee that I was drinking when I was uh, much younger and he's like, so why aren't you just drinking hot cocoa? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Mm. I think, I think something with the adding stuff into coffee is um, coffee where like I was when I first started drinking coffee was not that great. Or like when I was exposed to it over the years, like it's typically McDonald's coffee or it's coffee in a place that doesn't um, really hold up coffee as this thing quite the way that portland does and so i could probably take a leaf out of tim's book and and go sugar less on the coffee without even like minding too much but it's more that habitual like yeah i've got a doctor that you know crap out of this before i can (laughs) before i can put it down because otherwise i'm just drinking like flavored water yeah um it was most of my experience so
1: speaking of of coffee additives Mm -hmm. um i was covering a route on my bus, or on a bus. Um, it's,
0: your, it's your bus when you're driving it.
1: Good point. Thank you. Yeah, so I was coming around on my bus. That took me into St. John's. Ooh. And lo and behold, I ran into um, Daydreamer Coffee. Okay. Which is run by our good friend, Kat Caparello. Oh, of, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Of the joyride. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're I They're open, stopped finally. By. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they're doing great, too. Oh, that's so good to um, hear. They're really into the the cbd additions like adding cbd
0: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: into coffee nice um and that's not anything i can partake of because while cbd doesn't get you high like thc does Mm -hmm. there's still the possibility of thc or whatever like in my if i get it like drug tested Yeah, yeah you know plus i'm driving a
2: bus i don't know how CBD affects me? That's not mm-hmm. the time to yeah. like figure it out. <laughs> hey, I was, <laughs> I was in the coffee shop on the corner over there, yeah. and it's just like for fifty cents, get a shot of CBD in your coffee yeah. and yeah. see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but I'm, I'm really funny.
1: curious, like, because it, it seems to be the trend, mm-hmm. um, and Daydreamers really like wholeheartedly hmm. embrace this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm really curious, like, if anybody has had any CBD uh, experiences, like, like, how does it taste mm-hmm. in your coffee or
0: whatever I've, I've um seen it added in vials and like most of that experience was like an oily film at the top of the coffee or the dr- top of the drink but I would imagine if it's like a blended or if it's like a mocha as opposed to just like straight black coffee or something like that. Okay, I was um, at a
2: beer fest in December out on the San Juans and they had um, a large tub of, you know, help yourself to the CBD infused coffee. And we really? tasted it. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. was, I didn't notice it. But then again, we were four or five, 12% beers into the evening. <laughs> so I that could be from it that might, reason. Might have influenced. Mm-hmm. It.
0: Yeah. They, um, speaking of CBD and beer. Do you know where you can go and get beer that has C B D in it?
1: Um I, I, I bet you're gonna tell me. I didn't know it was available there, but well,
0: I, I might guess. You you can go down to Southeast Division and Twelfth where the beer mongers just happen to reside, and yeah, they also have C B D in their beer if you're into that. Really? They do. So, I I've, I've actually had to specifically make sure that so I, I shop by label right. and I like flashy labels. And I've had to stop myself one or two times at this point because um, my intention is not to like unintentionally dose any of our guests <laughs> sure, <laughs> at the beer mongers or at the. You don't want to uh, see what happens well, while we're I recording. Mean, like, <laughs> I would see what happens personally, but I wouldn't um, like cast that upon anyone because you know beer, beer as beer is you, when that's what you're expecting. It's good not to be like, oh, I accidentally drank CBD. Yes. Um, so, but if you're seeking that experience out our generous sponsors the beer mongers do have cbd beer
1: wow so at one point in time that was regulated wasn't was it not
0: um i would have to imagine like cbd and in, if not, inside just beer straight up not legal or the raw material yeah right?
1: so if i'm recalling correctly um velocult or may, they have cbd they have piece. cbd drinks of um, some
0: form maybe it's like a cbd it's right above okay. the kombuchas so it, it's possible that I'm just seeing the CBD and associating uh, it with a beer. I
1: mean, I could see it in a beer, but at Take, one point yeah. there was a CBD a on tap uh, at Velocult. Oh, okay. And uh, Bryce at the time who was working there said, like, yeah, once we finish this keg, it's it. Hmm. Like, the... Whoever was, you know, the alcohol bureau or whatever mm. was like not going to allow CBD mm. and beer anymore. I mean, that but
0: to me makes sense. I I feel like I didn't see it until this recently. Was,
1: this was all pre legalization, yeah. too. Mm. Interesting. So, well, let me all that. Let me throw
0: changed. a big grain of salt down on the table, m- mostly to spare beer mongers any heartache. I don't know if they have CBD beer. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that they have drinks that have CBD that have in CBD. Them. In them. <laughs> well, let's point. put it that way. Good point. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I, I you know CBD as a means to uh, have less pain in one's body without feeling the tropic effects sure seems like a pretty good route to go to me yeah
1: the people that I know who have used it really uh, support it mm-hmm. I am I'm, I'm curious like what the whole, like, CBD and coffee <laughs> is like.
0: Yeah, well, sounds uh, like there's a spot to go check it out. <laughs> sure. <laughs>
1: and, and by the way, they have really good espresso nice. over there at Daydreamer.
0: Nice. I feel like the last time I was checking up on Cat, it wasn't quite launched. They were still in the, like, funding phase. So yeah, this seems about right. Maybe five months ago, six months ago, um, but it had fallen off the radar. So I've now got yet another reason to bike up to St. John's. That's that's my yep. story. Well
1: what have what have you been up to these points? <laughs> I have a couple weeks
0: to riding a bike from Clever Cycles. Oh yes. We yeah. did
1: not get to talk about this, did no, we? No,
0: we didn't. Um so earlier this week I was down running some errands around Ninth and Hawthorne and had I think ever since I heard about the um what is it, the do's I've wanted to go. Uh-huh. Excuse me do a test ride of one of the bikes and um i didn't get a chance to test ride the dues but i did get a chance to test ride the urban Arrow. yes and um that one was kind of inspired by seeing jonathan moss's of bike portland's tweet about his ability to zip down to sellwood and back up in a very short period of time so i was like you know what i've i've got to like finally stop saying i'm going (laughs) to do this and just go do it (laughs) uh so i met um, the great folks down at Clever Cycles said hi to Eva and and the crew, and the bike that I rode, um, they have two versions of it. So one's kind of like a shorty version yeah. of a cargo bike, where it's more of a vert stack in front of the steering column. And then the regular one that most people would associate, um, more like traditional back fiat style, yeah. where you've got the really long front and the Except shorty appeal Urban to me.
1: Urban Arrows, mm-hmm. like it seems to be much longer than your standard bike well, feet.
0: I think you can do oh, in terms of length, I didn't yeah. see one of their full length of oh, the, okay. the um, full length cargo. That's it's an optical, an optical, optical illusion. illusion. Yeah. So <laughs> says our
1: resident bike mechanic. By the way, Anna. Anna's, Anna's here. Uh, just hanging out. Not yeah, on mic. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I mean it, uh, the, the words that left my mouth when I brought the bike back were this is the finest piece of machinery I think I've ever like ridden. Um, wow. I was in, like as somebody who has worked at a bike shop for the last five years, incredibly impressed with what they've done. Yeah. And for me, what is really nice about where the industry is maturing to is that we're getting to the point that people are starting to like really iterate on what it means to like build a cargo bike. And so you have these styles that I see popping up more and more frequently that are either fitting a um, hyper specialized use of cargo bikes or something that um, is bringing the overall barrier to entry of the technology and sort of what goes into that into a more cost affordable range so i am not going to go out and say like cargo bikes are affordable what i will say is like (laughs) compared to so many other things the utility that you get from that expense uh especially with something like the urban arrow to me seems to be a very high uh value for the price that's or a very high return for the price that's paid Um, so i really like the the shorty because you can basically have just a slightly longer wheelbase than a fairly long-haul trucker but you can do a whole week's run of groceries or stick the art supplies in the front or whatever.
1: Well, it stacks up a lot higher too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it rides like a dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I took it. So from ninth and Hawthorne, I took it and uh, just put it on high and zipped up over Tabor and <laughs> came back down on Hawthorne street, like right down uh, the left, like center lane of Hawthorne. And the whole time I was thinking to myself, yeah, this is what like we need to do is we need to get like either either we need to slow the speed of traffic down to 10 miles an hour or we need to like incentivize i think there was a another post talking about um e- or rebates for electric bikes as a state run uh or, or sponsored program because we do have rebates for electric cars so wh- good why, point why would we not do it for bicycles not that-
1: even just electric cars like they're you can essentially get a, a hummer Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a utility vehicle, and get
0: get that rebated the Eco Hummer, yeah. Or, well, or, or it's not just not on a, not a,
1: yeah, not on an economic <laughs> yeah. rebate. But oh, okay, yeah, I can't remember Harper's mm-hmm. magazine some years ago detailed okay. how you could essentially get a free Hummer. Interesting, you know, after after you pay pay out so much, mm-hmm. you know, you get it all returned back. To, okay, huh.
3: yeah.
0: Anyway, yeah, I mean, if we mm-hmm. could do it for e-bikes, I I think me riding down Hawthorne. I had one of those, like, it's clicking moments where yeah. you're just like, I'm keeping speed with traffic. There's this person in a vehicle beside me who decided to, like, rev up and spin out because apparently, like, it's inconceivable to be riding at the same speed as another bicycle. <laughs> and, you know, uh, well we know, were, while I we... just, I, uh, just the amount of, of, like, joy that you get from just keeping speed with traffic down a busy boulevard is, uh, so worth that test ride. So <laughs> I had a funny, thanks.
2: uh, Encounter with some uh, a couple we stayed with while we were in the Netherlands and she was you know really raving about all the e-bikes and this was of course like five years ago so e-bikes were you know much more common in Europe than they were here sure and she was saying you know if Americans just got on e-bikes then they would see how much fun cycling is Mm. and then they would buy traditional pedal powered bikes that's not a bad theory. Well, I don't know. I mean, in this country, I think e bike is more of a stepping stone to a Harley than it is a pedal power bike <laughs> mm. for a lot I of can people. See that. Yeah. I view it as like. <laughs> it was like, you've never been to my country, have you? <laughs> yeah.
0: I think it exists on its own tier. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, <clears throat> I like, I don't view people who would go out, in my experience at least, is people who I know who have done e bikes have not all gone and gotten Harleys in the same way that people who've gotten e bikes have also not. Like, usually they're like, yeah, e bikes are freaking awesome like i'm just going to keep riding the e-bike so like at least in my experience it's played out that e-bikes occupy uh their very own special niche uh and so if you have somebody that's like less keen on a pedal bike or less keen on a motorcycle the e-bike is actually that perfect in between um you know conversation aside from like vespas or other types of like uh, scooters and and that sort of jazz but I, i don't know i if if you know anybody who has done one or the other i felt like that's how i've seen it but yeah um, i haven't seen everything
2: most of the i i'm i'll have to admit i'm primarily like in the mountain biking segment in in washington so like we try not to even mention that word because mm-hmm. it's just like <laughs> oh my gosh
0: you know it, like i just don't even mention the bikes bike, bike se- yeah <laughs> no the thing though is like have you do you have anybody who rides close to you with um, bike no because okay. um it, we're it's the uh the land access issues. Gotcha. Yeah, that's
2: that's the main thing that in terms do. of um, national wilderness and non motorized or no, just even like state parks okay. and forest land, state forests. Gotcha. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, I I was curious because for uh, like Sandy Ridge, I'll tell you when you're when you're climbing up to the top of that hill and somebody just zips by on an electric assist mountain bike, yeah. those gears start to turn while your gears literally turn. And you're like, oh, that looks really fun. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I've seen enough videos where it'd be like, you know, one fast guy and his slower friend and now they
2: can ride together. They can enjoy. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it totally makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't I don't really have like one strong feeling or another. I, I, just, no I just try to avoid that conversation in Washington, <laughs> yeah. especially on the internet. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, yeah. Know. Well, the, yeah, inter- that makes sense. <laughs> the internet's a the dangerous
0: place. I, I think for me, like if you could get uh, anybody who's like hating on e-bikes, like I'm, I'm a big e-bike advocate. I came from the grouch side of things uh-huh. into the very much of a supporter side of things over a very like slow but pr- progressing period. Uh, and I like for Sandy Ridge or for any other um, location, what I like to think of is like, would you like to do two runs today or would you like to do eight? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Because you know, that's what an e-bike will do.
2: Yeah. No, it makes sense.
0: Um, cool. So that was my week. most Mostly highlight of uh, riding an e-bike. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so
1: small footnote to that. Specifically about the Urban Arrow. You remember when we were recording out of the IPRC, mm-hmm. the Independent Publishing Resource Center, here in Portland? That I do. Um, and then after that, we moved to a garage up in North Portland. Um, oh yeah, say like yep. something like four miles. I
0: did catch one north. episode, like going there in the garage <laughs> days. Yeah, coming back. All now.
1: that, all that was moved by an Urban Arrow
0: nice yep, from one studio to the other nice
1: thank you clever cycles booyah yes they were kind enough to loan me one while i moved it all
0: that's super kind with friends
1: yeah yeah oh of course
0: no i didn't, a, I didn't do, do it, it all by myself but handles yes. like a dream like i was oh yeah that's was the thing those i mean if you,
1: if you recall like we had the the long mic stands at the time mm-hmm. you know the long bulky ones and you know so they're all sticking out but you know once you got the load secured it it yeah, it rode fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, total like tank of a bike. Just, just seeing, seeing that iteration on a good idea over time is is where the the, the I am I am just completely uh, professing enjoyment towards these cargo bikes. But like, just seeing where that design goes. Like, I remember when um the the work cycles came in, you know, and they we're talking uh-huh. like ten or eleven years ago now into Portland, and that was like if you wanted a cargo bike, that was the cargo bike you get. Yeah, but it's just come so freaking far since then in so many nice ways like i'm just i'm charmed by it and it's like nodding her head over in the back of the studio there (laughs) you got me sold i'm gonna have to check this out oh yeah yeah. (laughs) no they're super cool super cool would would highly recommend that experience to anybody that's able to get down there and that was my week nice well doug should should we talk books
1: all this about cargo bikes but we could have used one of those. My, my, <laughs> yes. my bike
2: on, on the tour weighed 108 pounds with food and water. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and yeah. you were doing the coastal route? No. Um, so we, my wife and I started at Alki Beach in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't feel the need to go all the way to the peninsula and dip w- wheels in water and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, no, we, uh, we went across the northern tier. We left in March of 2014, and then uh, we took uh, the Queen Mary to England. Took a couple of trains up to Northern Scotland, bicycle Great Britain, overnight ferry to Denmark, made our way to Morocco, spent a month in Morocco, two-night ferry to Italy, a couple months in Italy, Greece, Turkey, and... For family reasons, um, death in the family, we couldn't end up uh, going through Central Asia because the seasons got thrown out of whack and winter was coming, and there's thirteen thousand foot mountains over there. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. so going across overland to China, yeah, well we're just getting like through um, Kyrgyzstan and into China. Uh it it to do that in November, January, it was that would be impossible, right? Um, so yeah, so then we essentially the way I sum up the trip is we made it from Seattle to Singapore with no airplanes. Uh, we took a couple of ships, um, bicycled around 13,000 miles.
0: I want to ask you many questions about your ship travels. Oh, I bet. That's what <laughs> yeah. everyone always yeah. wants to talk about. I, I the, and for good reason. Well,
1: Let's I, forget for a minute that we're a bicycle podcast. Well, I mean, that's I like, mean, we're kind of not also. There,
0: there's like, what, four ways to get from A to B if you're talking conventional travel, but ships to yeah. me are always oh, occupied. Right. Yes. What's that? We could
1: start boat month again boat this month. year. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag boat that. month.
0: All right. Uh... End of Thanks, Santa. beginning of March. hashtag Boat Boat Month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So you you were, you went from Seattle to um, to Singapore to Singapore. Yeah, with
2: no airplanes, a um, couple of ships, a lot of ferries, mm-hmm. a lot of ferries, and a lot of cycling. Nice. But uh, the main thing was, you know, originally when we got this idea, I don't know, like how far you want me to like back up the train to like where we first got the idea. As or, much as you'd like. Yeah. yeah. Um, Many years before we actually left on the trip, uh, I turned to my wife one night and was like, "Hey, you know, we're not having kids. We have a house that's more than we need. The dogs aren't going to live forever. We're both getting tired of our jobs. Let's let's take a year off and over." And she was like, "Okay." We had a long, long conversation, and that eventually and gradually, over months or a year or two, morphed into, "Let's sell everything we own and Mm -hmm. take three years to travel the road, the world by bicycle." This Um,
1: boggles my mind, by the way. Oh yeah. Somebody who would love to travel by bike. This still like the the run up to these things always boggles my mind.
2: So we, you know, she had a really good job. I had this job writing video game strategy guides that I've been doing forever. And, the thing was, is I always looked at them as travel guides to the fictitious places, uh-huh. and you know, it's it was nice, but I wanted an adventure of my own in the real world. I know it sounds kind of cliche, but that was the truth. I had read, you know, as a teenager, reading like Into the Wild and books books like that. I was like, okay, I got to do something like this one yeah. day. Um, so, you know, we spent a lot of time doing like, uh, you know, accumulating gear, nice and slow, like putting everything on the REI visa card and then using, you know, a thousand dividend dollars to buy panniers and Arc'teryx jackets and mm-hmm. all that stuff, which I'm wearing now. I was going to say, still, yeah. <laughs> still <laughs> it was free. Um, and then, so, you know, we, uh, but also I was doing a lot of business travel. So I also had almost uh, three quarters of a million Hilton points kind of backed in a corner. So you know, we were able to do this like one minute, you know, we're camping in the wilderness for weeks on end and then we're rolling into the Waldorf Astoria and staying five nights at Christmas (laughs) in Rome for free. Yeah. So we kind of, you know, did both like that. But the thing I wanted to do was I wanted to do a travel memoir. And I knew like wh- regardless of what type of book you're writing, you have to have a theme. Ha- and my theme was going to be like, we're going to go without airplanes. We're going to go all the way around the world and we're going to use ships. And so I was like, okay, that's our hook. And right. so we- It's a pretty good
1: hook. We mm-hmm. yeah. head off.
2: I <laughs> don't recommend leaving um, on the Northern tier in March. Um Third day was Stevens Pass. You know, we're pedaling past 8, 000, 8, eight foot tall walls of snow. Okay. Um, we were dodging snowstorms in the middle of May. I mean, it was just, we were, everywhere we went, everybody was like, you're two months early. Nobody comes oh, this early. yeah. Mm-hmm. So.
1: And that's a, that's something that's also echoed in your book, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm recalling correctly. Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. So the the novel is, you know, one of the things, when I decided to write the novel, I wanted to really pack a lot of authentic bicycle touring details into the book i wanted it so that if somebody who had done say like the trans am or or even this like the pacific coast route or the southern tier they picked it up they'd read the book and be like whoa wait a minute like he really did this like there's details in here that you wouldn't know unless Unless you actually did Mm -hmm. long distance bicycle touring so Mm
1: -hmm. it wasn't like and then they started in march and everything was fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be
2: there's,
1: like, no, they obviously...
2: <laughs> right. There's scenes, there's scenes in Tailwinds Past Florence where um, the main character, Edward, um, you know, for example, some of the conversations they had with locals, those were nearly verbatim conversations that I had experienced. Yes. Um, there's a scene on their way into Fargo. It's like late April. And he is all but crying in the entry of this diner because his hands are frozen it's 38 degrees and pouring rain and he can't undo his helmet he can't undo his rain jacket yeah that was me <laughs> that was me like with my back to the waitress st- waiting wait staff and my wife like undoing my jacket as if I was a two-year-old <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was um did you have any things that you knew as you were experiencing that experience them that you were like that has to go in the book or did it sort of come to you afterwards?
2: It really came to me afterwards. So, like I said, I was going to do this travel memoir. And I mean, going across North America, the weather was the main thing. It was, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, we should not have left in March. We got lulled into this false sense of security because it was a really mild winter okay. um, in 2014. And then, uh, so we got to London and we were staying with warm sh- a warm showers host, which is like uh, couch surfing for bicycle tours. Yep. I'm sure your audience knows. (laughs) Warm showers. uh, Yeah. We uh, we stayed with this lady. Um, She has a wonderful blog. Her name is Emily Chappelle. And she is a bicycle carrier in London. And she had cycled from London to Tokyo. And she had a dinner party while we were staying with her. And she invited the guy who was like the first Irishman to bicycle around the world. Oh, cool. Like this other girl uh, who was like cycled like all of Africa. And, you know, we're sitting there and drinking and eating. And out of nowhere, the conversation shifts to bicycle memoirs and bicycle touring memoirs. And Emily and her friends were like, you know, the last thing the world needs is another (laughs) bicycle (laughs) travel memoir. And you're sitting there like... And I'm (laughs) sitting there like, you know, like curling into a (laughs) ball. uh, And, you know, but Uh. with all due respect to the people who write them, and and I've read a lot of them, and I, I love them. They're like totally inspiring. They do start to eventually sound a little bit Similar Sure And as I was looking back at You know The prior five months of our trip I was like You know Nothing really dramatic has happened I mean you know It went way too well So Continuing on through Europe Uh Nothing really exciting happened, (laughs) other than like somebody—I think a mountain biker—stole my wife's uh, cat eye bike computer off in a hotel lobby, like off of her bike. That That sucks. It was like that was like the one
0: downside. Hey, that could be a whole chapter if you try. (laughs) (laughs) It really wasn't that interesting.
2: (laughs) So, but no, we get to Spain and we're in the Pyrenees and I'm on this long mountain climb. And all of a sudden, you know, like those, that question, like, what if? What if a younger couple set off, um, each with these secrets that are threatening their marriage, and they believe that this trip around the world is the one thing that can save their marriage? Hmm. And that ended up morphing into, like, well, what if there's this, like, whole soulmate slash reincarnation angle that comes into play? And so it kind of gave me a, a different thing to focus on.
1: I really loved, by the way, that angle
2: um, as far as... Uh,
1: that the reincarnation and, um, yeah. What made you think of that? What, I mean, as far as not just cause you know, every, every fiction needs a hook. And, um, I think we've answered, you know, why, why more from just a regular travel memoir to fiction, mm-hmm. but then why, what gave you that hook as far as, uh, yeah, the, these, these sort of guides, this is maybe maybe one way of putting it. That, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So part of it is I wish I can like point to the moment where I'm like, Okay, you know, there's gonna be these these various incarnations of his like of his soul from prior lives um, mm-hmm. without giving too much away um, but actually it yeah came from, even like,
1: that I'm like I'm like uh, I was a little reluctant to mention yeah yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah
2: it's um, well you know you get it in chapter two you can start to get a little bit of a, yeah you, of, you of figure an it idea out and it's and it's, it's kind of in the blurb um, but actually it mostly comes from the fact that I for everywhere we went on our tour I was reading a lot of historical fiction so when we were going th- around Lake Superior, which, by the way, takes about three weeks to cycle around the north the side of Lake Superior. Oh, yeah. It's huge. It's really big. Um, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, going around there, I was reading up on the Voyagers in the fur trade era. And I was like, oh, these like, French-Canadian Voyagers are really cool. Yeah. And then I was reading Shogun. Um, and I was like, oh, there's all these 17th century Japanese Catholics. And then of course, um, the book silence and then Scorsese did a film based on the book and silence. So I was like, you know, that the idea of these 17th century Japanese Catholics who were banished from the country really, really interested me. I'm like, I gotta work. I gotta find a way to work characters (laughs) like this into Uh this book. And then, um, Florence was just always interesting to me, and my my you know ancestors are from Italy, so there was a just a, a pull towards Italy mm-hmm. in that regard and then Alessio, the main antagonist um the main reason that he's from Malta is because I needed a reason for him to speak English for the ease of writing, but also for him to know italian and, oh, and Malta Mal- Malta is- has this complicated history with Britain and Italy, and it just makes sense oh, so okay. it's like, that's interesting, yeah.
0: Nice. So,
1: I. So you described this guy as as the main antagonist, but I I also want to um, I don't know mention like he he's a pretty sympathetic antagonist. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I. In a lot of ways, the antagonist is really everything going on in Edward's head. Yeah. Um, and the Tom character, who's the. You know, the, I would
1: I would say he's the main antagonist.
2: He's he's the most fun character to write. Oh, really? <laughs> by far, yeah. He was because he was just unlike any of the other characters, unlike anybody I really know. Um, he was just you know, just kind of a ruthless businessman, very Machiavellian type yeah. of guy, and just you know, the ends always justify the means. You know, like that's where he was coming from. Yeah. So, and he didn't care about family, and he was much more like kind of old school more madman type type sure. of style. Hmm. Um but Alessio yeah, he was sympathetic, he was confused,
0: but uh you know, a little a little uh, crazy too. Yes. <laughs> How has the reception of the book been?
2: It's been really good. I actually um have a, a book tour lined up. I got about 12 stops, That's a great. few in Seattle, then I head to a couple in Denver, Boulder, Minneapolis, Madison, you know, like I making my way across the country, hopefully uh, trying to set one up in New Jersey where all my family and friends are, or a lot of my family and friends are. Um, but yeah, so far the reception's been good. The reviews are coming in really nice. Um, so it's slow going though. You know, it's uh, when you don't have, you know, Penguin Random House throwing like a $100,000 mm-hmm. marketing campaign at you. Sure. It's tough to get traction. Sure. So.
1: And I can't remember, did you, you didn't
2: self-publish this though. You went I did to, actually. Oh, indie oh, it was. Yeah, I did okay. indie publish this one, um, but the, it's hard to tell. I, I like I to think say, it's hard to tell, yeah, okay. I put a lot of money into the book design. um the book designer I hired, she um had designed a lot of the books for amazon's imprints um the editor I hired he was my editor in chief at prima games um before uh you know things changed over there um so like the people I had on board making sure that this book came out looking every bit as indistinguishable from like a big five New York City publishing house, yeah, that was so. That was one of my goals. And it helped me get this book tour because usually, like, if you
0: self pub and just go straight to Amazon, like, you're not getting a book tour. Right. But. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't, uh, haven't experienced. Or, like, I'm just thinking about the self publishing world now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Just, um, there's a lot of work that goes into it.
2: I self published a. um, a travel memoir back in 2014 before we went on the bike tour, just as an experiment to see what it was like. And it was just this short hundred and eight, um, hundred and eight page thing about like a couple of weeks in the Caribbean. And it's always funny cause people will be like, Oh, I really liked one lousy pirate. And I'm like, y- you did. It's not that good, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they're like, you're, you're too hard on yourself. It's good. But, uh, it was mostly an experiment to get my feet wet with self publishing. Cause there okay. is a lot of moving pieces
0: in that. Hmm. Speaking of, um, well, actually, uh, not speaking of self-publishing, but switching to boats Mm -hmm. for a moment. Okay. Uh, Hashtag boat month. Hashtag boat month. Coming up March 1st. um, I'm trying to call on your memory. Have we had somebody who's done travel by boat on the show before?
1: Not like a a boat tour. Okay.
0: My grandfather
2: yes, right yes now. No. My yes. grandfather right now is rolling in his grave, hearing you refer to a cargo ship as a boat—a little, boat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> little boat. There's no sail.
2: <laughs> just a little vessel. If you can put a boat onto it, it's a ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, good point. <laughs>
0: yes. Um, I. It's something that's always been curious to me because I've always thought a lot about the travel impact of going so many places, and it seems to me like just because my overall desire when I go out riding is to not go quickly that Mm -hmm. a boat seems like a nice way to slow yourself down. It is,
2: um, without going into too much detail, like, you know, we, we did get thrown off of our schedule. Um, and we had to find another way from, we did a 1300 mile loop through Turkey We passed through Ankara the day before bombs went off, and it was like you know it was kind of a rough time. It was in the middle of the like Syrian refugee crisis, Um, so it was really eye opening to be in that part of the world. And our original plan was to go like Georgia to Azerbaijan and overland through the stands. And but what we ended up doing was um, we found a cargo ship. Uh, There's there's a whole once you start looking into it, you realize there's a whole world of freighter cruise travel Mm -hmm. networks out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, We ended up using a broker out of New Zealand who it was one of those things where one of the bike touring blogs that we followed for a couple of years, they did a six day like kind of a mail run to some of the like islands that like Survivor used to be on and things like that. And um, so they they mentioned this guy as being a good resource. (laughs) So we contacted him and he ended up helping us get booked on a 19 day crossing from uh, Greece, basically outside of Athens, all the way to Malaysia, Wow, and so we went through the Suez Canal, we went through the Gulf of Aden. We did have um, a little bit of a pirate scare, um, even though we were on like one of the largest cargo ships on the ocean, and there 's no chance like pirates are going to hold a eighty foot ladder and climb up it at twenty five knots. You know there was still a little bit of that threat, yeah, um, we had a typhoon chasing us like from you know as after we left Sri Lanka on our way across the Indian, it was it was pretty interesting. I will say I loved the first two weeks of it. Mm-hmm. 19 days is a long time. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, the only entertainment there is the books you bring, the card games you play, and a whole stack of DVDs. This is not,
1: not a carnival cruise.
2: No, no. There was <laughs> only two other passengers. Um, you know, meals were very regimented. It was like breakfast was these 30 minutes and you had to go and lunch was these 30 minutes. And if you stayed overland over time to like chat with the other two guests, you got told to like take it upstairs, like get out of here. Oh, wow. Um, it was pretty regimented. The, uh, there was a whole big library of DVDs, but they were all in German. (laughs) <laughs> um, yes. so that made it challenging but even it, selecting the English subtitles would be you know, difficult. some of them had it some of them had it <laughs> yeah. um, but a lot of the DVs were so scratched and cracked it was, oh, just, yeah? it was almost pointless <laughs> we, we played a lot of games of cards hmm. um, but I also wrote like 50,000 word outline for this novel so I was waking up every day and at this point the the allure of the bike trip started to shift and become second to the excitement of writing this novel. Ah. Like, Cause once I realized like, okay, here's the story. Then it became like, that's all I really cared about. Right. Especially when I knew like, okay, well we're not going overland to China and you know, we're not going to end up cycling 40,000 miles like we thought we would. Mm-hmm. So
1: did you find like the, the, with the fading of, of the allure of the bike trip, Uh,
2: As you say, did you find
1: that to be kind of a point of contention with with your partner traveling or?
2: No, you know, it was um, kind of like clockwork. We were completely into the trip and then every three months it was like a bell rung and we were just over it and we needed time off. Oh, Uh, wow. We spent 98 days getting to New Jersey, but we went through all the way up to Quebec City, to Acadia National Park, back through, you know, New England, all the way. So we did almost 5,000 miles just in North America. Yeah. Um, and we had a month off with family in New Jersey. And then we got on the cruise ship. And then we did a little over three months. And we got to Morocco. And we were like, okay, it's been three months. Let's take a week off in Tangier. That was not enough. Hmm. We ended up biking to Merzouga, which is like the last town at the edge of the road in the Sahara. And the stress of being chased by dogs and kids grabbing onto our bicycles and demanding candy and all this stuff, it just wore us down. And we realized that that week off in Tangier wasn't enough. And I ended up getting really sick. And we spent 10 days in Merzouga, and then actually strapped our bicycles to the top of a taxi cab and went all the way back to Tangier. Because the only reservation we had on the whole trip was those five nights in Rome at uh-huh. the Waldorf, where I used like quarter of a million Hilton points. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're going to be in Rome for Christmas. That is the only thing we knew when we left in March. And uh, so we had to get to Italy. So the biggest... And this is kind of funny because people always ask about like culture shock. Yeah. Spending a month in Morocco, getting on a two-night ferry across the Mediterranean, we arrived in Livorno a little after 11 at night. We bicycled three three miles to a hotel, go inside... You know, it's just dark. I mean, you can't see anything. And we woke up in the morning and we opened the curtains and there was an Italian Christmas village right outside our hotel.
3: <laughs> and wow. it was like
2: after a month in Morocco to open, the, to like just walk out into a Christmas village in the, in December 9th yeah. or 10th or something. That mm-hmm. was So anyway, we get to Rome a couple of weeks later and all we could talk about was taking months off the bikes. Like mm-hmm. we were just so burned out and we were like, well, let's rent an apartment in Florence for two months or something like that. Um, and then the same thing happened, like, by the time we got done with Greece and Turkey, because we, we went all over Greece, a lot of different islands, and Greece is so mountainous. It's just, there's no, there's, I don't think there's any flat roads in Greece. Anywhere. Really? Yeah, it's crazy mountainous. That's so cool. Um, And it's huh. beautiful. Yeah. But uh, after Turkey, all we can think about was, like, we just needed time off. So,
0: that's, that's where the cargo ship came in. Hmm. Yeah. How did you... What did that feel like when it was just starting to happen? Like what sort of signals did you get within yourself or how, how did you approach that? Cause it, you, you both felt it together, but was there any like sense that maybe it was like three months for you guys? And then like everybody has that point, but it seems like you're really good about listening to that instead of like pushing yourself through it and the ability to identify that like before, or at least in the very beginning stages of it happening. Um, seems like a really good skill to have it would be um (laughs) i don't i don't
2: think we actually knew okay because you know we got to new jersey and it was like well we're going to take a month off with friends because the queen mary doesn't leave for four weeks Uh so it wasn't like intentional on our part okay it was only in hindsight we realized oh that was really really good Hmm. and really what kind of creeps up on you is just you know like uh the Peace Corps has that saying, you know, it's the toughest job you'll ever love.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Long distance bicycle touring is the toughest vacation you'll ever love. Mm-hmm. And it just wears on you when you realize, like, because you're distilling life back down to where am I getting food? Where am I getting water? And where am I sleeping tonight? Mm-hmm. And it, the stress of not knowing where you're going to stay every night. It just it just starts to wear on you. There there are those people who we follow, you know, on podcasts and in the books and on web light on um, websites, who, you know, they go like. There's one couple we know who they've been traveling for like ten years now by bicycle, and they've wow. cycled across like yeah. 93 countries. And I just don't know how they do it, because hmm. um, like for us, it just beat us down after a while, just the yeah. stress. Hmm. As my wife likes to say, she's like this, and this is funny. This is what she actually says. She's like. I want to sleep in the same place for more than one night so that I know where the bathroom is when I get up in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a lot of nods from, from off mic here.
1: <laughs> what were you gonna say? <laughs> oh, I was just thinking of, of like, you know, friends like uh David Robinson mm. who you know, that's somebody who really um I don't know if craves is the right word and 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 DBR you can you can write in and correct me, but really uh likes paring everything down to like, okay, where am I sleeping tonight? Mm-hmm. Where am
0: I getting my food? Sort of sustained by the simplicity.
1: Yeah. But when he talks about, you know, his Trans Australia ride and his Trans Am ride, one of the it sort of echoes that same thing towards the end is like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is getting old.
2: Yeah. Hmm. And um,
1: uh what was i going to say so one like, of the they're... things
2: so the, a trip like this you learn a lot about yourself uh-huh. and going into it I was like I'm this you know adventurous person and I'm gonna love going to these remote places and and I realized you know what like no I I really value like personal space I got to the point like especially in Morocco where the ability to you know not knowing who to trust and who you can't trust and having people come up and grab you and like having having to run interference because like there's a pack of teenagers grabbing my wife's bicycle and demanding bonbons oh like things like that get intense and you realize like, oh, maybe this part isn't as nice mm. as the idea that I had five years ago when I was sitting at home on my couch.
1: Things that aren't always in the travel log,
2: <laughs> Right. And, you know, the other part is just with uh, spontaneity. Uh-huh. You know, I think a lot of us at least um, were attracted to the idea of I'm going to head out and I'm not going to have any plans. And I'm and just, just see gonna what le- happens. And just see what happens. We did do that sometimes. Uh-huh. But we learned really soon that for us. We needed to plan five days at a time, and and even just like trying to rely on the warm showers network. Mm-hmm. If you're not at least planning a couple days in advance, yep. you're yep. going to be a really bad guest. You know, oh, that's a good. And point. We've all heard stories yeah. about like somebody emailing and be like hey I'm outside your house like (laughs) can I stay for the night I (laughs) I sent you an
0: email did you check it half an hour ago yeah Yeah.
2: so we, we really realized that for us like planning five days out worked and there were times when you know like in Paris for example um, we woke up and it was the day we were going to leave Paris, and we just ro- looked at each other in bed and we're like, no, there's no reason to leave today. Ah, um, yeah. You know, and there were times, and there were times going across North Dakota where we only it took almost three and a half hours to go 18 miles because of the headwind. Oh, yeah, and yeah. it was like uh, we're not going any, we're not making 55, 60 miles today. There's no way. So hmm. you just you have to be flexible in those regards. Like you you take what the the conditions give you. Sure, but. That's maybe the spontaneity that people don't
1: necessarily account for. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, when they talk about spontaneity, they think like, oh, and then I saw this animal and chased it around for a while. Or, you know, <laughs> I, saw this, I saw this mountain, this mountain range and I, I took a bunch of pictures.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know. Well, you know, one case was uh, we met all these wonderful people on the Queen Mary, too, which was huh? really neat. Here's, a, here's, you know, Cunard is this like really fancy luxury liner. You can bring fully loaded touring bicycles onto the ship as long as you can get them in your cabin. They nice. don't care. Oh, wow. Um, the key here is for anybody thinking of doing this because it is a neat way to travel. Um, and it's actually not really that much more expensive than, uh, than flying. Mm-hmm. If especially have, if,
1: given like, that you're packing your bikes. And, and, and if whatnot. you have the time. Oh, especially.
2: Yeah, good yep. point. Um, sure. But they're very formal. You know, they have like black tie nights. They have, you know, suit and jacket and tie. Oh, my gosh. So what we did was we went to the Goodwill in Bellevue outside of Seattle. We for like $90, we bought like a suit, shoes, jacket, you know, the whole thing. My wife bought like two dresses and shoes and we shipped them all to her mom's house in New Jersey. Hmm. And then when we got on the Queen Mary, we were the same clothes like every day. (laughs) And then we just left them in the cabin with a note that said, help yourself or throw them out if you don't need them. And we are like, okay, good. We didn't, because otherwise you're spending like two hundred dollars a night to rent a tux. Yeah, and I'm like we're not doing no. that. No, no, that's <laughs> silly. That's that's crazy. Oh, and the other thing is that cargo ships. It was more expensive than taking the Queen Mary. Hmm. It really? worked out to about a hundred and ten
0: euros per person per night. It is not a cheap wow. way to travel. No, it's, no. Due to the food or the the. Um I'm thinking maybe the friction of the experience of like every all the work that goes into just making it happen in the first place. I think
2: really what it is is to make it worth the captain's while. Fair enough. I think because um, they don't that's what I was thinking. The ship has <laughs> more simple than I was <laughs> thinking. I think it had like 50,000 containers. Yeah like the ship we were on was massive and you're, you're our, just
1: unwanted cargo. At that we're, point. we're a nuisance yeah. really, yeah.
2: especially like we got to Sri Lanka and they promised us like, Oh, you'll get to go into town and it ended up becoming this whole deal with the visas. And then we had to go back into town to check out of customs and we delayed the ship. Ooh. Oh, cause they don't have to do those things. No, Yikes. no, you know, they're yeah. not playing tourists for the eight
0: hours they're in port. Right. So, wow. Yeah, we were a nuisance. The uh <laughs> The, the, the there's a person I met quite a while ago who does the world by motorcycle and he's in his late eighties. And I think was um, I think early eighties when we met, but he was coming through Alaska and he works as a mechanic. And so his go was to um, serve as somebody on staff. So he would earn his passage just by fixing things. um, And that seemed like a pretty good way to go. Not, not that everybody is a mechanic, but I, I think you talking about the captain's while it, it makes sense cuz he was able to prove his utility whereas um yeah totally, Most of totally, us, totally yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally different
2: I, um when you go on these like freighter travel network sites and um there's always like the first question in the FAQ is can i work my my way and it is mm-hmm. like absolutely not you know the uh-huh. the um the, the ship we were on it was uh i can't remember the name of the company um sorry about that evergreen evergreen cruise, uh, sh- cargo ships. Um, it was an all German officers and then uh, it was mostly Malaysian and Filipino staff. And uh, the, it, this was one of the funny things is we wanted to eat with the with the crew. We wanted to eat like with the Malaysian right. and Filipino guys were eating because the food smelled so much better. And instead <laughs> like in the officers mess, it was these giant heavy German meals like just loaded up with just so much gravy on top mm-hmm. of it. It was, mm-hmm. it was really interesting but it would have been I think a little healthier if we ate with the crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes, yeah, so no. There's no. There's no working across. Unfortunately, yeah. Okay. I wonder. I how mean, maybe
0: he, maybe if you if you have a skill like that, maybe or maybe he's just you know he had been doing it for a good thirty years at the oh. point I met him. So he he might just know people who know people. Yeah, at that and point. it could have been a different time too. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. Um, looking looking back on the experience and uh, what brought you through it in the physical world, but then also translated into the book, what would you say stuck with you the most out of coming back and sort of setting down to write the book?
2: Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. Faith in the people that we know, like that we got to meet. Um, one of the things, you know, when, when you tell your family and friends that you're, you know, and, and we we both turned 40 on the trip. So, you know, you think that at that point in your life, your family's going to just trust you to like. Right. And, right. But, you know, been, mom, is gonna be mom is always going to worried. Mom is always going to worry. <laughs> um, the thing that we kind of took comfort in before we w- we went was that, you know, we really wanted to believe that everyone out there just wants the same things we all do. Right. They want a job. They want their kids to be healthy. They want a roof over their heads. And we really believed like ISIS was not hiding behind a bush waiting for two yeah, American right. bicycle travelers to come by. Um, so that element was something I came back and it was like, yeah, you know what? Like the world was a good place. We had so much hospitality heaped on us. And I know like earlier I was kind of saying, you know, things got stressful in Morocco. A couple of the most wonderful, like heartwarming moments happened in Morocco also People always ask, like, what was the one moment, what was the scariest moment of the whole trip? It actually happened in Minnesota. The only time in the entire trip we were threatened or (laughs) felt like worried was Minnesota. Um, And, you know, where at in Minnesota? Out in a, we were camped in a park. Yeah, I was in like north central Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: (laughs) International Park. (laughs) And is naming all of the
2: airports up there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it was uh we were on our way up towards boundary borders canoe area oh okay and we did spend the day canoeing the one lake that wasn't still frozen so what what was the issue i'm sorry um there was well we were camped like it was a town of like 500 people and we were Mm -hmm. camped about a mile and a half outside of town at a small park and there was a guy who seemed to be down on his luck a pretty big guy young young guy and you know, he found himself homeless that night. There was a shooting at the house he was leaving and he started walking down the trail and we were like, oh, Okay, you know, we offered him food and he just kinda grunted and uh and he took off down the trail and it was getting dark and it was cold. It was winter still. And he came back and he was like just looking really frazzled and he was like, you know, it'd be a lot my life would be a lot easier if I had a bike like one of those two. Oh, and it was like, okay, you look around and you're like, there is no one for miles. And at that point, like, I kind of like stepped between him and the bicycles. Sure. And I noticed, like, okay, my wife's pepper spray wasn't on her bike anymore. She removed the velcro, you know, like, because it was velcro. Yeah. We had it for dogs, we didn't think we'd ever have to have it for people. Right. And. I had like the safety off the pepper spray and like my hand on like a three inch <laughs> buck knife or something that I use for cutting vegetables. Right, and uh, it was like, oh gosh, like if he thinks he's about to like jump us and try and steal our bikes, like this could get what, real. What's, yeah, in a real and hurry. What's stopping him really. Yeah, yeah, and it, so fortunately, he ended up getting a cell signal and calling friends. And then we were thinking like, oh gosh, like he might have like Is two he or bringing three his guys coming or, over yeah. here, and you know. Fortunately, nothing ended up happening, and it was it was fine. But for a few moments there, it was pretty scary. But
1: the most tense, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. yeah.
2: And everywhere else, nothing, nothing like that happened. We didn't even have any close run-ins with cars, except um, going around Lake Superior in Ontario, Highway 17, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of cycling fatalities on that road. And I don't know if they improved it ever since then. But you basically have, like, six inches of paved shoulder and then, like, three feet of soft shoulder and it's um it's the only way across ontario up mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. so you get you know we spent 3 weeks staring in our mirrors looking for trucks cuz you don't want to get scissored. Yep, and right. we did have to ditch into the soft surface and crashed like twice in oh, those really? three weeks yeah it was wow that was a stressful part mm. but I don't know if I would have been smart enough to ditch.
1: All, in all honesty,
2: you'd be like,
0: "Well, it's happening."
2: Yep,
1: <laughs> here it comes. And I thus, just,
2: Aaron's tour ended in Ontario. <laughs> I just, I was just yelled, "Ditch!" and you know, and then mm-hmm. like we, I'd look in the mirror and I see my wife tumbling. Yeah, was, wow,
0: so. yikes! I've only been run off once, but it was much closer than Ontario. Oh, the uh, the soft stuff is just not not the fun stuff to go N- into. You don't want to hit it at speed. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, no. Uh, old logging roads north of vernonia i'll put it that way Uh, okay or at least not on the uh, steep embankment (laughs) um interesting so generally speaking though Mm -hmm. a restorative faith in humanity was what you took away from the experience or
1: reaffirmation yeah Yeah. i think
2: it was more of an affirmation Affirmation. you know you kind of want to believe it um it was an interesting time to be on the on the road because you know the the second year that it was 2015 and of course like you know campaigning was already starting here and you're overseas and like we're seeing the refugees coming across and you know, you're seeing all these Northern Europeans like showing up, volunteering, making hundreds of sandwiches and handing out tents and sleeping bags. And then we'd go into our room and we turn on CNN international and we like, you know, you'd hear just the noise coming from the America about these refugee problem. And it's like, ah, this is so weird. (laughs) And then you just want to turn it off and kind of continue on. But it was, you know, we had a lot of general, we had people literally, pass us stop their car jump out and like stop us and say do you need a place to stay tonight and that nice. happened that yeah. happened once in oregon on our shakedown cruise right outside of newport actually nice so and it happened in canada it happened in maine yeah wow so. well, that's great um if somebody wants
1: to buy your book, where could we find these?
2: Uh, Tailwinds Past Florence is available pretty much everywhere online: Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Kobo. It's um, IndieBound, um, local bookstores. A lot of them, especially if they go, if they are tied into like the Ingram b- Book Distribution Network, mm-hmm. they can order it. Um, but I, paperback and ebook is is available on all the major an- internet sites. Nice, or at dougwalsh.com.
0: Nice, thank you.
2: Yeah. yeah. Thanks well, for coming on, Doug. Yeah, thanks yeah, again thanks. for coming on. This was fun. It's always fun to relive the relive the trip. It's starting and, to, it's starting to be so
0: long ago that uh-huh. I'm kind of forgetting that I actually did this thing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> really? I feel like if I had to recall I'd be like, and then I went this place and did that and then wait no that that was the other place i feel like you held every single place in like time together well so it seems that it's crisp in the memory if not
2: yeah thanks well and i appreciate you not answering asking me like so what was your favorite place (laughs) because oh that needs to be tied i I forgot (laughs) (laughs) i
1: i will say i'll try not to spoil it for everybody but um, or maybe this might this might uh help incentivize our listeners to buy this book much of what was said here today, or there was a few stories that you said here today that were almost verbatim in the book.
3: Mm.
2: And
1: I'm not going to say which ones, but having read the book, like there was some things that you were saying that I was like, oh, I know what chapter that was in. Nice.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Because,
1: yeah,
0: maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, i not yeah, no, say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to know which one, you're going to have to read the book. Yep. Tailwinds past Florence. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, thank thank you. you so much Thanks for, for having me. This has been fun. Yeah. Would you like to hang around for our news and headlines?
2: I would love to. I uh, always up for learning more about Portland. Cool.
0: I have to um, have a have a quick uh, sidebar, as Tim would say. Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls. I'm reading your bio that you that you um, wrote the <laughs> that that you wrote the uh, guide for it. Out of curiosity, mm-hmm. did you also have a part in Diablo two? I Diablo
2: 2 I believe came out in 2000 2001 right around and yeah. I had only just begun my career Okay um I didn't get to uh, write a, write the strategy guide for that however the author of the Diablo 2 strategy guide was a very disappointing co-author of mine on the Metroid Prime strategy oh. guide, <laughs> and he was not invited back to write any more strategy guides after that. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I had to had to take a shot in the dark. Um, but
2: since you mention it, I do have um, a short memoir coming out this spring called "The Walkthrough: Insider Tales from a Life in Strategy Guides" for all you gamers out there. Oh. I'm not sure what the. I'm vent- not even
1: much of a gamer, but I think that sounds amazing to have sort of like a,
2: a insider's view of how those things are put
1: together. It's
2: it's really fun to write. Uh, it's, yeah. it's been really fun to write cuz I wrote I wrote for over 100 strategy guides for most of the major franchises and huh. you know there's a lot of a lot of stories like I spent like 2 months at Diablo at Blizzard working on Diablo 3. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stories like
0: that nice. in the book. Well, so. that in addition to what we've talked about today is our two books I look forward to checking out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um let's see for
1: you know what we, we haven't done in a long time? What
0: have we not done? I love, I love, I love, I love my calendar. Don't, don't ever use that. I picked the wrong one. That's okay. <laughs> it
1: was the one without the music. You could hear, like, Tim's <laughs> disappointment. The, he's like, this one again? <laughs> we got a new item oh. on our calendar, though. Uh, every second and fourth Monday at 10.30 a.m. at Clever Cycles here in Portland... Now through March, story time with Kittical Mass.
0: Yeah, and if you're there and want to take a ride on a uh, Urban Arrow, I won't stop you. The second Thursday of every month, the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis.
1: The second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party.
0: Also, the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party.
1: Also, also the second Friday of every month, the East Bay Bike Party.
0: The last Friday of every month is the Baltimore Bike Party.
1: And every second Sunday of every month, right here in Portland, the Corvid Eye Bike Club ride. <coughs> hey, you're getting better.
0: I am getting better. February 16th, Slough County Ramble. Oh, that's already passed. Which... <laughs> but it was this... so
1: much fun, I'm sure. Mm. Mar- <laughs>
0: I'm trying <laughs> and I'm not succeeding March 2nd That's my not fault. So noisy I was in charge ride. of the notes this week <laughs> It's okay From uh, the not so noisy bike ride From Jason Oftenberg, Part of bike week at Daytona Beach What's interesting
1: about that So I looked up bike week at Daytona Beach mm-hmm. And it's all motorcycle stuff
0: And then there's then this Then there's
1: the not so noisy bike ride I have to say ride.
0: Jason's been killing it on Twitter lately Thanks Jason uh, March 9th the dead freeway ride
1: March 18th, 4 by 3000
0: Yep, a bike film coming to Portland, in addition to Bikes of Wrath, which we'll get to. Oh, yeah, it is back on the calendar. March 28th, <laughs> Dr. Something. I'm just rolling with it. That's all right. Another debut of a Transit Center song. If you remember our episode from earlier last year, um, we have Dr. Something... And a new release at Kelly's Olympian. So check it out. 9 p.m. Thursday, March 28th.
1: April 2nd. We've teased it just 30 seconds ago. That I did. Bikes of Wrath at the Regal Fox Tower Stadium here in Portland.
0: yeah. Upcoming film by bike tour dates. Arcata, California, March 15th. Bendigo, Australia, October 4th. Um, And I just took another look. Like, again, I I get to play the Not My Department card. There are quite a few more than that. I'll have them added to the calendar for next week.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Again, (laughs) I was in charge of notes this week. It's all on me. (laughs) It's it's quite okay. (laughs) And now for...
3: What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike?
2: I like my bike. It's fast. I like
0: From Curb, Washington, D.C., via Tim Mooney, D.C. moves to keep cars, including Ubers and delivery trucks, out of bike lanes. Yes. It's already unlawful to obstruct district bike lanes in most instances, but the proposed regulations would expand the ban on doing so to include situations where drivers try to, quote, avoid conflict with other traffic. Are bikes traffic? I don't know. And load unloaded (laughs) passengers or freight per Um, D.C. Department of Transportation practices such as these endanger cyclists by bringing speeding vehicles into bike lanes and enforcing cyclists into traffic. A blocked lane led to a cyclist's death in New York in 2018.
1: Yes. Um, So what they're doing is they're closing this loophole that a lot of major cities, including Portland, have Mm -hmm. where it's unlawful to park in the bike lane, but it's okay to stand your vehicle your motor vehicle in the bike lane if you're in the act of like unloading or loading something you know including people Mm -hmm. um and i call it the taxi clause right yeah yeah um and so what dc is is essentially saying is like well and this is part of their vision zero initiative too it's like that's not good enough you know that's actually making things more dangerous for people who are more vulnerable on the road um so i don't know how they're gonna how they in how it's going to work out in real life, whether Mm -hmm. they're just going to say like, yeah, you can't be in the bike lane at all. And if you're picking up or dropping somebody off, you're just going to have to block a lane of traffic, which personally I'm all for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) The
0: the, like mental image that I had when I read that is the same mental image I have kind of imagining it happening in Portland, which is maybe it's okay if we have a 30 car backup because somebody needed to unload. At least the bike lane is clear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can think of some places where, I don't like similar to the um, green boxes that we have for sort of getting your bike staged in front of vehicles. The evidence has been um, in some cases conclusive and in some cases inconclusive as to overall whether that increases the safety of those intersections. And so I I find myself wondering on places like Vancouver where you have a vehicle lane that is it's a bike lane, but you can still technically drive in it a block at a time there is it feels like the the you know the traffic must flow in a dune like sense like people would kind yeah. of go into the bike lane so yeah. i wonder like yeah i just find myself hoping that that <laughs> results in more safety and um more incentivization of cycling in dc than less
1: yeah yeah i hope so too um uh, personally you know anything to disincentivize n- unnecessary car travel yeah you know um freight needs to get through. I mean, stuff needs to come through here and there, but it doesn't necessarily have to come through in the in the ways that we mm-hmm. imagine it coming through. And you know, you got to get to work. That's that's fine, but it doesn't always have to be like just me myself in in a car that could fit several other people. Mm-hmm. Possibly if we uh sort of better incentivize mass transit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Think- anyway, no, you're good. I mean, this is stuff I think about every time I ride North Williams into work, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a good five yeah, or that six crossover
1: blocks. that crossover uh, left turn lane that's mm-hmm. like every other block in, Oh
0: yeah, yeah. It's uh it's interesting. Vancouver has the the backup effect and people get a little bit like annoyed as they're waiting in traffic. I it's one of those deals where I just, every now and then I'm like I just want to make a shirt that's like life is better in the bike lane as yeah. as you like ride down in the slew of traffic. Um, but you make a great point if we had, you know, some rapid transit going down Vancouver or a way to disincentivize or incentivize, um, one and not the other, you, you, you could have a easy breezy Vancouver and and not have to worry about it necessarily. So, um, nothing happens overnight, but one can dream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. Um, this comes from the Oregonian and this is fairly local to Portland, but, uh, Still fun. yeah. Orange is the new bus, they say. <laughs> Trimet goes retro with their bus colors. Passengers will notice the buses have more exterior lighting near the doors for better visibility at night or in low-light conditions. Better speakers for operator instructions. So this is just part of the improvements that they're doing besides just painting the, the retro colors on there. Uh, better speakers for operator instructions and or stop announcements an overall quieter ride thanks to sound-reducing material. I'm very curious what they mean by this. MDF. And improved traction on wheelchair ramps. <laughs> that's about time. Also, sidebar, they need to get rid of those max trains where you have to step up mm. to get into the train. They that's, are, that's just my own. They, I, do, don't they have
0: a phase-out for those? As... They, it cannot be fast enough yeah, for Okay. Me. Interesting.
1: <laughs> The buses also come equipped with safety panels to protect drivers, which the Oregon reported on earlier this year. Yes, there's been a few incidences where uh, Mm -hmm. violence has been brought upon our drivers.
0: That's one of the biggest things I notice whenever I'm traveling. Um, And I completely support the safety of our bus drivers. I think that if if that's what needs to happen, then that's good that that's happening. Yeah.
1: Um, Anna, do you remember, is there uh, there like a plexiglass or, or some kind of, barrier between the uh, driver and the passengers in Minneapolis? No, because there's community policing. Oh, there's community policing because they have manners. (laughs) (laughs) What, we don't have manners? (laughs) (laughs) There is, yeah,
2: there is the the sort of Great Lakes Midwestern politeness. Yes. Uh, hmm. I I don't take buses that often because I live like out in the foothills uh, in Western Washington. But I did take the uh, Bolt bus down from Seattle today and they had the plexiglass divider that kind of swung out to block passenger access to the driver compartment and then kind of swung in towards the driver's seat when we were unloading and offloading. And I I thought that was pretty neat. I had never seen it before. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think for me, I'm just like I'm thinking of like the one thing that differentiates the, the TriMet buses from like... Pretty much every other bus system yeah. in every other city, but hey, we're we're getting there. It's it sounds like it's time, so it's time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the orange is the new bus. I think the biggest thing I thought about this was a kudos to whoever wrote that headline, and b <laughs> uh, <laughs> the it's interesting. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> well, well, a a um a tip of the hat, perhaps. Okay, the colorations of the buses as we see increased. Um, Agencies and and different sort of entities running transit. The biggest thing I thought of was like, oh, it's going to be like, I'm. You have that learning curve of recognizing like what your bus actually looks like as it's barreling towards you. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I'm sure it will be fine. But uh, yay for new colors, I I suppose. <laughs> I I I didn't have anything prof- <laughs> that that profound. I think to that add. was profound enough. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hit hit profound level one. Moving well, on.
1: You may be out of profound things to say. It's possible, but you know what we do have? What do we have, Aaron? We got mail. Hey, we got mail. All right. So first up, we have a tour update from our friends, Patty and Andrew. Yeah. Hey, I listened
2: to your interview with them while I was on my way here.
1: Nice. Oh, yeah. So this will be very, uh, very fresh once I find it. It's here somewhere.
2: I hope they got to visit Joshua tree
0: me too, yeah i um we we took some we hedged some bets on that actually, you would know better than i were we were we on our bets or were we off?
2: oh geez, I'm I putting you on the spot yeah i um, don't I don't know
0: the timing of it okay that's that's fair enough i think i think they i think they did probably if they did choose to go that way got to see j tree
2: they should have been i mean yeah. it, they were they still hadn't left yet on the trip
0: yeah, that's right, so i hope I hope you did maybe we'll hear in this update. With or without you. <laughs> well, while we wait for the audio to cue, what was your favorite part of your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> All well. right, here it is. You know- <laughs>
1: hey, Aaron and
3: Guthrie. Hi. i Sprocket Podcast listeners. This is Andrew. And Patty.
1: Calling from beautiful Monterey County, where it's a uh, Sky Blue day, and we just
3: rode over our first big hill and took our first big stop at Monastery Beach. Yep. Beautiful. Really beautiful. Wish you could be here. (laughs) Alright.
1: Happy Viking, everybody.
2: Yay. You know, having listened to your talk with them just earlier today yeah i know they were very concerned about like having their f- the the first fight and the friction of coming yes. like because you go from you know i being, started to
1: get concerned right right
2: <laughs> and you know so this is something that comes up when i when i'm when i'm doing my talks and you know people always want to know like how can you go to being 24 7 with another couple and profanity <laughs> profanity <laughs> profanity. We, we We're def- gonna do okay <laughs> <laughs> You know um, we, we definitely cursed more at each other In those two years than we had in 21 years Of marriage <laughs> mm. And then the other thing is like She knew that she could just pedal slower And get away from me And then like on a hill I knew I could drop her And like just grind out whatever Unnecessary angst that was Probably completely unreasonable On my part that mm. I happened to be you know, having holding on to that day, but yeah, it does happen. But you know, a tent is a very small place for open hostilities, so <laughs> mm. you need to get it out of your system before you get into camp. Right up
0: <laughs> good advice. Whoop.
1: You have more mail.
0: We do. do we? Oh, not on my sheet. Uh oh. Maybe on my sheet. Did
1: you save it to the wrong thing,
0: Aaron? Well, this is what happens. No. Oh, hey. Wait, was I? Yeah, I was on the wrong tab.
1: That's okay, because it's not showing on mine
0: now. Either. Okay. Well, this is the part of the show where we say, we're going to edit this later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you, We had had... From Keith in Indy. Yeah. I, see I got the... it. Oh, good.
1: If you happen to find yourself in Indy on March 16th, I'm leading an illegal dumping site ride and calling it the Trash Ride. And I think he means he's writing to an illegal dumping site, not that they're writing and then they're going to dump things illegally.
0: The initial- That yes, would be that's wrong. that's the impression I got. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
2: so- sounds about. Was that Indy and is in Indianapolis? Yes. I will be there. On April- March 18th? No, April 10th April and 12th on my oh, book tour. Nice. April 12th at Indy Reads Books. Cool. Oh, nice.
1: Is one of those happen to be on a second Friday of the month? Because you could join the Indianapolis bike party. You know what? It
2: is a Friday (laughs) night. (laughs) In which case, I will have my other thing going on. (laughs) You'll be doing the speaking engagement. Maybe the party will come to you. Yeah, come to me at 7 o'clock at Indy Reads Books.
0: (laughs) Nice. Um, I have some mail from last week to catch up on.
2: Oh, yeah. I didn't post that.
0: So Josh G says in regards to the um, bridge, bridge town. Bridgeton. No wait, northeast. Bri- I get it now. Bridgeton. Yes, northeast Bridgeton. I, I was keeping. Yes, I'm just going to continue on northeast Bridgeton. It's okay, this
1: is the stuff we added out.
0: This is completely true. Josh G says northeast Bridgeton never looked so cinematic.
1: That that was it. That was it.
0: Uh, <laughs> from Dancing Moose Cycle Adventure Supplies, a cool wee snippet, guys. Loving your podcasts all the way down here in Retura, New Zealand.
1: Hi, New Zealand.
0: From Pedal Shift Project. Hey, it's
1: summer over there.
0: Yes, it is. I bet
1: the weather's really nice.
0: From Pedal Shift Project, look at you guys rocking the slow-mo.
1: Oh, these are all comments from um our 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 uh, Bridgeliner video. Bridge liner, that's yes. the word I, I was yes. I
0: saw Bridgeton and it just completely flipped my mind.
1: We did the Bridge Liner video on Bridgeton Road.
0: Yes. And thus Guthrie's confusion. Yes. Um From Joyce Wilson, a surreal experience <laughs> if, like me, you don't get did we? This is now sounding familiar. Okay. Yes. Whoops. It's all good.
1: That's okay because we still got some more mail from this week, and these are.
0: (laughs) Doug's just hanging in here. Thanks, Doug. (laughs) Hey, no worries. This is
1: fun. (laughs) It's turned into amateur hour. I'm gonna drink (laughs) drink my
0: row your oat from Alvarado Street Brewery. Couple more rows around that pond, and we'll be we'll be done with our news and headlines.
1: (laughs) So, a guy who's been following us on the Instagram for a while, um, (laughs) and we follow him back. in regards to the Sean Granton episode, mm-hmm. it says I live in Nottingham, where Raleigh bicycles were made and originally wrong. Sadly, Raleigh have now have no clout in the UK anymore. They're a budget bike brand for most people. It's really sad. My grandma used to work for the factory in the seventies and eighties. Um, and then someone had responded. So this is this is worth mentioning. That uh, someone also responded that many of his bikes in his childhood were also rallies, and his cross bike is now also a rally. In which, yes, he says, the occasional rally from the eighties and nineties were great before poor pr- quality production became poor. Is this something you're familiar with? By the way, like well, I've never so I've never uh, really thought of it, that as a thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> do, do, if we have we're going to do a little bit of a dive into the, the in, Ooh, inside yes. industry. Like I'm yeah, going to do, a, an I'm gonna do a short dive. Ooh, do tell. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so I think it's important to caveat this with my opinion of rally spikes circa 2017 is actually pretty positive. Um, I've like, there has been so much that has changed about their manufacturing process and supply chain, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that um, it's a very valid sort of sentiment that, things were in fact better in the old days and bikes were made differently and i think the argument stands um to a higher degree of quality and standard for workmanship um that being said as far as bike brands go like it's no mongoose which makes me sad to say because my first bike was a mongoose (laughs) my (laughs) first bike was a mongoose hilltopper i happen to think it was a pretty fine bike but um that has not borne through the sands of time
1: i've seen some of those old like Late '80s, early '90s mongoose is still back, rocking back out. Back when mongoose here. and redline still make great
0: bikes. Mine was yeah. in '89. <laughs> yeah, so maybe it was just the vintage. Um, so, so in the same, in a similar sense, Raleigh's been shopped around quite a bit. And if folks are keeping tabs with uh, ASI, which is I think Advanced Sports International, and then there's a couple of like sub umbrella things going on, I believe with excel or seattle bike supply i'm trying to remember here but essentially um some chapter 11 equals not a fun time for certain companies under that umbrella Uh, Raleigh, which happens to be kind of thrown in the mix in in a way to that so the quality from a standpoint of is it made in britain anymore yeah absolutely has taken uh, a different a different path um that being said i still feel like if you take your average Raleigh, it's easily going to outperform your walmart bike or amazon bike oh yes, or anything else like that like i i think that there are still people in my experience with um supplying or, or having access to Raleigh bikes as as um their electric bike fleet for the bike shop i think they make a fine bike and um it's definitely not what it used to be, but it also still, I would say, has people in it that kind they of never
1: make them like they used to. They never do.
0: <laughs> uh, for what it's worth, it feels to me as that there are still people within Raleigh who do give a damn. Right on. They might not be able to pull as many levers as they used to.
1: This this uh, conversation sounds very familiar to a conversation I had around two thousand six, two thousand seven
0: about Gibson guitars. Mm, yeah, I could see that. Good old gibson they yep. did, they really truly didn't make gibson like they used to <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's
1: also true just due to automation <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um so so i actually have a pretty soft spot for raleigh i think they did a lot under the shimano step system they actually if it weren't for raleigh i would not be in the same uh amount of appreciation that i currently hold for e-bikes i think raleigh and their uh, electric systems, circa four or five years ago um really like helped me unfold that Puzzle, or uh-huh. I guess you don't unfold a puzzle. Unfold that map about like what, where e-bikes. You can fit. mix your metaphors. This I am going to mix away. Um, they, <laughs> the writer in the room is like, "No, no, know, absolutely, go they, for it." They go had uh, it. the electric shifting with a Shimano system tossed on a Raleigh bike. It sold terribly, but I thought it was one of the best ideas that's come along. Uh-huh. Uh So I think that they they kind of like poke and prod at innovation within the industry, but are hamstringed by. Uh, maybe I'll put it as the powers that be.
1: Sure. I mean, it makes some sense when you're like so big you don't take as many risks
0: mm-hmm. yeah or you're driven because by, uh, you're driven by the metrics and the metrics determine uh that certain ideas are dead before their time
1: Ah, uh, yeah right on well we are not, definitely not dead before our time we're still here
0: but we are at our time <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining doug um yeah thanks yeah. for coming yeah. thanks for having me absolutely thanks for the beer yeah, thanks, to, thanks the to the beer mongers.
1: Thanks to the beer on Southeast Division and 12.
0: Shall we outro? Let's do this.
1: The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio, thanks to the generous support of Open Signal.
0: Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com.
1: Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Call or text 503 847-9774. Twitter
1: and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast.
0: Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Her bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design.
1: And thanks to sustaining donors Shadowfoot, Katrina Mellinggard.
0: Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson.
1: Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney,
0: Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss,
1: Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt,
0: who's, who's a, a time, time traveler. traveler,
1: Dave Knows,
0: Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Cooley,
1: Peanut Butter Jardin,
0: Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, she's here, in the studio. Hi, babe. <laughs> Andre Johnson, King
1: of Division, Richard G.
0: Guthrie Straw, also in the room, Aaron He's Green. He's right there. He <laughs> what? Read his own name again. God damn it. Uh, author of We Were <laughs> Sons and founder of the Regreenery. Campsite, McNers, David Nathan Bolton, Chris Rosson, Rory in Michigan, Michael Flournoy.
1: <laughs> Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman.
0: Harry Hugel, EJ Finnerin Brad Hipwell. Thomas
1: Gato, Keith Hutchinson, thanks for the mail. Ranger Tom.
0: Thomas Gato, Whoop. Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagner, <laughs>
1: Jason hoffenberg Microcosm Publishing, David Moore,
0: Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris, Chris Barron. Barron,
1: Sean Baird, Simon Gregory Braithwaite,
0: Ryan Morrow, Jimmy Diesel, Dude Luna,
1: Matthew Rooks, Ca-caw! Marshall, Paulette Funataki, Cyclecraft,
0: Philip M. Spartandale, No, no relation.
1: relation, Mr. T, who never really left. The Bike Initiative, Keweenaw, and Sarah G.
0: And to all of our former donors who've helped us get this far. Thank you
1: so much. Now, brush your teeth. And
0: go to bed.